Morning, everyone. Good to see uh, you all today. Barbecued hot cross buns, eh? Never heard that one. You can just imagine them, can't you? You know, get in there, barbecued hot cross bun, uh, ketchup or brown sauce. Well, yeah, doesn't turn me on, I'm afraid. Give me the meat any time. Okay, uh, today we continue in uh, our series uh, in Joshua, uh, A Journey of Faith and Obedience. And uh, uh, some of you may remember that the last time that I spoke on a Sunday morning uh, was the first Sunday in May. You may not have remembered that as such as the particular day, but it was uh, a now and then Sunday, and it was the Sunday before we started this current series that we are having uh, from the book of Joshua. And uh, you may remember, as the memories come back to you, hopefully as I tell you this, that uh, on that day our subject was how are you looking for what you're looking for? And it was the occasion where Moses sent out 12 spies into the land of Canaan uh, to do a sort of reconnaissance and then come back with all their intelligence and their reports uh, and to report back. Uh, And uh, you had 10 of them that just came back and said it's a wonderful land but it's not for us. We just can't take that land. You know, there's giants and there's large cities and they're fortified. And yeah, there's no way that we can do this. But you have, first of all, Caleb, and then he was supported by Joshua and said, uh, no, hang on a moment. This is what God has promised for us. This is what God has got for us. You know, we can, we can. But it was the negative reports, the ten, the majority, that prevailed. And as a result of that, um, we considered that there was then 38 wasted years when uh, God's people were left in the wilderness until not one of them, save Joshua and Caleb, of those that came out of Egypt, actually went into the promised land and a huge generation had grown up. And uh, on that morning, we, we saw the need for faith in our lives uh, to be able to be those people that uh, are able to have faith in God, able to trust God, able to be men and women of faith um, to have what God has for us. And we considered the seriousness of just standing still in our Christian experience. The tragedy of 38 years when when people did not advance the purposes of God one little bit in their generation. The tragedy of the wasted years. And just reflected on ourselves. Where are we in all of that? You know, are the years just passing us by and we're going nowhere with God and for God? And either individually in our own lives. Uh, or collectively uh, as a church. Uh, But uh, as we come to today, um, all of a sudden, Caleb comes up again. As we're thinking today of keeping going uh, in our faith and in our uh, walk with God. And uh, it's Caleb, and we're going to be having a look at him. And uh, as we read uh, today, and thank you, Val, for, for... taking our scripture reading today, 
Um, I, I think the key phrase uh, that stood out for me in the passage of Scripture uh, was this. I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And uh, I believe, in a sense, that this was the key to how Caleb was able to keep going himself in his own walk by faith, his walk uh, with God. Uh, And I believe that it's the key for us as well as we consider uh, this passage of Scripture a little more this morning. I love to see people that are wholeheartedly uh, going about their lives, just people who are wholehearted in what they're about in life. I I think it's quite sad when you see people who are just half-hearted sort of people, you know, and uh, they walk around and you speak to them and they come over like wet rags. And you go out and you hold your hand out to shake their hand and it's like having a piece of wet fish in your hand. Do you know what I mean? The sort of of people in life. And it's just great to see people that are wholehearted in what uh, they are about. Oh then, okay, for you, what are wholehearted people like? Let's have some words just yelled out. When you see somebody who was wholehearted, what are they like? What do they come over to you? As enthusiastic. enthusiastic, oh yeah, sorry, determined. determined, yeah, those sorts of people can be very determined, can take a bit of managing, <laughs> dedicated people, happy people, yeah, confident people, yeah, can be very confident people, positive, yeah, people who are very positive about life and about what they do. Yeah, that's just about what I had written down here as well. So very good. Well done. Ten out of ten for the congregation this morning. And, and when we come to the Bible, we find that God wants us to be wholehearted in our relationship with him. He wants us to be enthusiastic about our relationship with him. He wants us to be positive and dedicated and all those things that we have said about what it means to be wholehearted. Um, (laughs) Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's being wholehearted, isn't it? Uh, And uh, in case we say, ah, that was Old Testament. You know, and we don't live under the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Covenant. We're under the New. Well, Jesus was there. And he came in the New Testament to bring the New Covenant under which we are blessed and can know salvation. Uh, and, and he says it himself in his own ministry and in his own teaching. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Interesting, isn't it? That there's so many ways, particularly when we read the book of Hebrews, that we find that the new covenant has come and and done away with so much that was under the old covenant and way of living before God in the Old Testament because of the better way that Jesus has given us by salvation and forgiveness. But that is one that doesn't change. It's a constant throughout the whole of the word of God, and God means it for us. Today, you, me, loving him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds.
Well then, how was this evidenced uh, in the life uh, of, of Caleb? First of all, um, we find that he was wholeheartedly a man of conviction. Verse 7 in the passage that we read. I was 40, year old, 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I brought him back. Now there were 10 uh, spies that came back with a report that uh, had convictions completely the other way. Convictions that completely forgot that, uh, that, that God had made promises. Convictions that completely forgot that with God all things are possible. Completely forgot that they were God's people and God had purposes for them. Completely put that all aside. Just looked at it from the human level. Disregarded faith. And 38 years in the desert was the result. But, but Caleb came back with his convictions. With God all things are possible. If God is for us, who can be against us, and he had his convictions concerning his faith. He knew who he believed, and as a result, he knew what he believed, and it determined the course of his life. He knew who he believed, and as a result, he then knew what he believed, and that determined the course of his life. It wasn't just a load of theory that was academic, that was up in its head. It translated into how he lived his life uh, before God. Thinking over into the New Testament, um, a passage of scripture that I often uh, refer to when, when I'm speaking, uh, because I love it. It's, it's 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, and you, there you get Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and they're taking the gospel to Thessalonica, and, and they say in that first chapter how they came with the gospel and they brought it not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. That was something that Paul and those that worked with him in the gospel had. They had deep conviction about the gospel. It's the power of God, Paul writes. Uh, to everyone uh, that believes. The point is that if we don't have conviction about our faith in God, then we will not be able to convince anyone else if we're not convinced ourselves as we go about our lives sharing the gospel as we should as whole life disciples. So he was wholehearted, and as a result, he was a man of conviction. Earlier in the year, we did a series in Ephesians, and uh, I remember on the morning that I was speaking, I believe it was on uh, Ephesians 4, about serving the Lord in unity and diversity. We were thinking uh, that morning about the importance of us as believers in the Lord Jesus so progressing in our faith through our knowledge and understanding of God's word and allowing his spirit to work in our lives so that we grow and develop to become mature. And Paul actually talks about us reaching maturity in Christ. And that is something that we should be striving for. 
Natasha was talking about all the things that people strive for in life. And that is something that we should be striving for in our Christian faith as well. Why is it important that we grow, develop, and become mature? And this was what Paul wrote. So that we will be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. If we become mature, you know, then we know where we stand. We, we, we develop convictions about what we believe. We have de- convictions about God because we have a relationship with him. We have convictions about what his word is about uh, and how we come to understand that as the spirit uh, teaches us uh, himself. And it's so that we might be not tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine. The Bible says that a double-minded man, and I guess it means a woman as well, is unstable in all their ways. When the situations of life come to you, oh, what do we do here? What do we do there? You know, we're, we're all over the shop. But if we have that maturity in Christ, if we have that conviction about his word in God's leading in our life, then we become people of conviction who are mature in him. And then secondly, in the passage of scripture, what I want to highlight was that he wholeheartedly relied upon the promises of God. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go to the battle now as I was then. And uh, as he looked back, he could recognize the hand of God uh, upon his life. And he could recognize the faithful God. He has kept me alive, he says, for 45 years. And even 45 years... um, in that desert place in the early years, uh, as they moved in to take the promised land, um, uh, he, he recognized the hand of God upon his life. Think of that uh, older hymn, All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside it? It goes on to talk about the way in which we recognize the hand of God upon our lives as the one who has been our guide to bring us to the place where we are now. Not to stand still, not so that we've arrived, but so that he might move us on. And here he is now, at the age of 85. And the words there are amazing, aren't they? I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 85 years of age, folks. I didn't think I was doing too bad for 70, but the creeks are beginning to come, I can tell you. And uh, on holiday, when uh, we were in Lake Garda and myself last year, um, as part of our 70th celebrations, because Anne is notched it up as well, there was a, a man uh, in the hotel who was well into his 80s, 
and uh, he had sadly lost his wife, and so he, he was a widower, lived, lived alone. Um, but he'd driven his car from Walsall um, down to Lake Garda, and he was having a holiday by himself, and he would go off each day, and he would walk much farther than Anne or I walked, and he would go for day trips in his car, all right, whereas we would go with coaches. <laughs> and then on the way home, he was going to drive back through Switzerland, where he was going to meet up with friends. And then he was going to drive up to Reims, because he wanted to see Reims Catholic Cathedral. And then he would make his way home. In his mid-80s. You know? And I thought, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. I wouldn't mind being like that in my mid-80s, you know. But here is Caleb, and he's going to do far more than that. He's going to set about being a warrior again, <laughs> being a soldier again, going in to claim the promise, the land <laughs> that was apportioned for him uh, in the land of Canaan. And so we find Caleb here, not exactly on his last legs, um, still as strong today. <laughs> as the day Moses sent me out. Just as vigorous to go out to battle there as I was then. It wasn't composed then. But if it was, I think I could have heard, perhaps uh, in his quieter moments, when he was just going about something casual and he was somewhat relaxing, perhaps singing that song, Faithful One, so unchanging. And then, finally, this point, uh, that comes out about Caleb, I think, in the passage, that uh, he wholeheartedly remained a man of faith. People can go through life, and I think, if they're honest, and very often if we're honest, we will not see that our faith is a constant throughout our lives. There will be times, if we look back over our lives, when we will see that they were perhaps periods when uh, our faith was strong. But then circumstances of life hit us. And as it, the circumstances of life hit us, then maybe it hits our faith as well. And then perhaps we even start to put question marks against God. Um, you know, starting to perhaps blame him for how things are. In our lives. And so our faith ebbs and flows. <laughs> it's stronger and it's weaker. But here we see <laughs> a man at 85 whose faith is as strong <laughs> as it was 45 years earlier. And I guess as it was when he was in Egypt. And in verse 12 he says, Now give me this hill country. If we read that in the authorized version, I think we would be reading, now give me this mountain, <laughs> as he goes in to possess, uh, possess Hebron. Uh, now give me this hill country, this mountain, that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. He believed it 45 years before when he came back and wrote his report after doing the uh, reconnaissance and gave it to Moses. And he believed it now. 
And now the rubber was hitting the road, of course. <laughs> Wasn't well, uh, I'm coming back to give a report. <laughs> and that's something quite cozy about that. You can give a report. To then actually act upon the report is a whole kettle of fish, different kettle of fish. Um, now, this is the rubber hitting the road. He needs to put his money, as we say, where his mouth was <laughs> and actually go in to possess what he claimed uh, God could do for the nation all those years earlier. And so he believed it 45 years before. He believed it now, that with God all things are possible. And he therefore goes on to receive the inheritance that God had promised him. He kept going until he received all that God had promised him those many years before. Why? <laughs> because he followed the Lord his God, wholeheartedly. I think we could say, in the context of what we're considering as a church in these days, is that Caleb is a great example to us of a whole life disciple. <laughs> and whole life doesn't mean 24-7. For him, it meant, up until this point, 85 years. For the whole of his life, 24-7. <laughs> he was a whole life disciple. And of course, as you look back over the life of Caleb, um, his life was far from easy. If you do the maths, and I hope I've done them correctly, I guess he would have been a slave in Egypt. If he was 85, and it was 45 years earlier when Moses sent him to spy out the land, then he must have been 40 when he did it. And if they'd been two years or 18 months or whatever it was out of Egypt, then he would have grown up and been a mature person and I guess know what it was to be a slave in Egypt. Life was not easy. For the next 40 years, he lived that nomadic life in the desert. Not an easy way of life. And now at 85, he goes to claim the inheritance where he has to overcome these large 45 cities in that hill country or maybe even what we would consider to be mountainous country and is it not the reality that God uses the experiences of our life whatever they may be to shape us and to mold us and to hone us so that we become what he wants us to be so that we can serve him accordingly and fittingly in the way that he has for us. But also that we might become more like Jesus, the goal of every Christian, and what God wants for us. And in all of that, to bring uh, glory to God. But as the cliche says, <laughs> the circumstances of life can either make us bitter or better. Bitter or better. And God wants all the circumstances of life that he allows you and I to go through to be such that we recognize his hand into it. So that we don't say why to God, except only in the context of, Lord, why are you allowing this for me now? What it is, what is it that you are trying to achieve in me through these circumstances? Those are the only questions, I guess. We should be asking of God, but being human, very often we do question what God is about as we go through our own lives. 
Would anybody recognize that lady? No? Some of you are of the generation that should remember. No? Helen Rosevere. Amazing lady. She was a medical student, and one day when she was pretty young, she attended a missionary meeting in the north of England and declared publicly in this meeting, I'll go anywhere God wants me to, whatever the cost. <laughs> Scary, dangerous. Then, once qualified, she went to the Congo, Congo with uh, WEC International, where she practiced medicine and also trained others in medical work. And that was from 1953 to 1973. She became known by the nationals as Mama Luca. And a film was then made of her life with uh, the title Mama Luca uh, Comes Home. And she was there in uh, the Congo through the hostile and dangerous uh, uh, period um, of political instability uh, in the early 1960s. Um, when she was imprisoned and went through many of the atrocities of war, including rape. Not long after she had gone to Africa, her supervisor was driving her um, somewhere one day and uh, said to her, if you think you've come to the mission field because you are a little better than others, or as the cream of your church, or because of your medical degree, or for the service you can render the African church, or even for the souls you may see saved, you will fail. The Lord has only one purpose, ultimately, for each one of us, and that is to make us more like Jesus. That's, that's some statement, isn't it? We can do many things and achieve much for God. And those things, I guess, do count for God and are in his will in purpose. But ultimately, overriding it all, God has one purpose for each one of us to make us more like Jesus. He is interested in your relationship with him. Let him take you and mold you as he will. And all the rest will take its rightful place. She then went on to uh, write the story of her life uh, partway through when she came home from all of that period. And the title of the book is Give Me This Mountain, precisely what the authorised version said, Caleb said uh, to Joshua. It's one of bright mountains, says the Amazon Review, conquered after experiencing the dark valleys and learning to give the glory to God. At the end of all of that period, when she was looking back in writing her book, she said, I have looked back and tried to count the cost, but I find it all swallowed up in privilege. The cost suddenly becomes very small and seems very small and transient in the greatness and permanence of the privilege of serving God. <clears throat> Some words. Amazing words uh, from that lady. 
what she was prepared to go through, what she was prepared to strive for in order that she might have that reward that God ultimately has for her. When Paul wrote to to Timothy, he said that being a Christian was like being a soldier. We're there in the forces. We need to obey the commanding officer. We need to be disciplined. We are called to warfare. We're called to suffer hardship. (laughs) Um, We're like an athlete. We need to be disciplined again. We need to train. Uh, We need to obey the rules if we're going to win the prize when we compete. And he says being a Christian is like being a farmer who needs to be hardworking if he's going to enjoy the crops that he grows, the fruit of his labors. And earlier in the service, right at the very beginning, Natasha quoted Philippians 3, when Paul says this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That's what we strive for. That is the prize that we strain for. Having been transformed in that day when we meet Christ face to face, having our lowly bodies transformed so that they'll be like his glorious body, and, the Bible says, sharing in his glory. And for that, Paul says, I press on to win the prize for which God has called me. So I suppose this morning after what we said, if you went to Caleb, (laughs) at the end of it all, when Hebron was taken and he was there and he had the inheritance that God had promised for him. Well, Caleb, was it all worth it? Was it all worth it? If we went to Helen Roosevelt and said to her, after all you went through for God, was it all worth it? And she gave her response and I read it to you. She considered it all as a privilege in her service for God. For the soldier, when the battle is won, for the athlete, when the race is won, for the farmer, when the crops are in the barn, after all the labor and hard work, and then to Paul, after all he endured in his life as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Was it all worth it? Was it all worth it? Well, I don't think you need me to tell you. In our heart of hearts, I think we know. I think we know. So then let us all press on this morning. Serving God, being a whole life disciple. Uh, It's not an afternoon stroll in the park, is it? It's a long haul. We're in it, I trust, for the long long haul. Pressing on towards that goal, that prize to which God has has called us, because that is his 
great reward for us. So then, let's keep on <laughs> keeping on in our walk with God and in our walk of faith. Shall we pray together?